Pornhub. Pornhub. The Pornhub Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Pornhub Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, the founder of companies Tushy and Thinks, Mickey Agrawal. Yay. Thanks for coming. So happy to be here, especially <laughs> with you. So I actually just did a collaboration with Mickey and Tushy. Yes. We released the Asawash. We did. Uh, what is that, you ask? It is my very own bidet. <laughs> Yay. I can't think of a product more on brand. No, literally, when we saw your Instagram handle, which is Asahole, we were like, this is kismet. <laughs> this is meant to be. And so we created the Asawash. And it only takes 10 minutes to install yourself, which sounds fucking crazy. But believe me, you could, like I can do it. Right. Did you Anyone install yours? I installed mine and I'm just now starting because we sent out a bunch to, you know, you allowed me to send a bunch to friends. And so I'm just now starting to get like the, the feedback and the feedback. And everyone's like, oh, I, I did it myself. It's so easy. Right. So I know 10 minutes and you have a clean butt with a precise <laughs> shower for your butt. It's true. Um, and actually, I was planning on doing like an either Instagram or Snapchat, some kind of video in conjunction with this episode. Great. To put out so people can see like how I'm installing it, how it inst- how easy it actually is. Perfect. Amazing. So I guess I want to start with why bidets? Well, first of all, I'm half Japanese like you, yes. half Indian, yes. and both cultures grew up with bidets and... Um, you know, it's so interesting because we export as Americans culture. We export movies. We export Facebook. We export all this stuff. And yet we're the furthest behind when it comes to our behinds. <laughs> and it's actually so. So like when I when I realized that Americans, a most Americans don't know what a bidet is, have never tried it, um, are scared of it or weirded out by it. It became a really interesting topic of conversation. I, I, I grew in an obsession with it because <laughs> I mean, every major Asian country has bidets, mm-hmm. Middle East, um, South America, even Europe, of European, course. Yeah. And it's ubiquitous in, in most households and in, in, in many parts of the world. And I discovered that the only reason why bidets are not ubiquitous here in America is because, number one, an, a French person invented the bidet. And therefore, the English hated the French. Okay. And Americans were like part of the English, right? And so, the, so that's the first that's reason. That's so petty. It's so petty. <laughs> the second reason is during World War II, when American soldiers went to Europe and they fought in World War II, they would go to French brothels and they would see bidets in French brothels and they then associated bidets as something dirty and sexual. And of course, Puritanical America right. would just shun that, right? Right. And at the same time, they imported pizza because the American soldiers went to Southern Italy. They saw this poor man's pizza thing. And then they actually brought it back, brought that back to America. Pizza, then pizza hut and Domino's, all those things came after world war two. And then they shunned the bidet. Whoa. Right. It's crazy. And it's so silly and it's so also petty again. And just, it's just, it was a cultural it was a cultural issue. And actually so not self-serving because, you know, it, I, I have to admit, like, even though I am Japanese and, you know, I, I, I lived in Japan for a while, I go back all the time. And of course, I use a bidet when I'm there. Like it never it never clicked to me that like 
it, it never clicked to me that it was weird that we didn't use one in the U.S. Like just because you know I grew up right, we not didn't really thinking about thinking it. About it. But like now that I have one, now that I wash my asshole, now that my husband washes his asshole before I eat it, right? <laughs> like and, but also like now that I'm talking to people, it's kind of gross that we don't wash our assholes. No, it no, it really it's like it's like the way I talk about it is, imagine if you went into your bathroom, you you took all of your clothes off, you jumped into the shower, and you did not turn the water on. And you just use dry paper to clean your smelly armpits and to try and wipe down your like all of your dirty bits. Right. People would call you crazy. Or even add to that, like, because it's even worse than that, right? It's more like if you got shit on your arm. Right. And you're like, oh, just hand me a Kleenex. <laughs> right. People would be like, you're disgusting. Yeah. You like- wash it off. <laughs> or like, I mean, another example is like going to your dirty dish. Imagine you like cooked a, uh, you're like, you're, you, you took a raw chicken with salmonella all over it. And then you like, you know, you, you took that dirty dish that this, that the chicken was on. And, and then you, instead of using like water to wash it off, you used paper and you put your dish back in your cupboard. Like right. people would look at you like you have two heads and that you should totally. be in a loony bin. And it just like the fact that we have, been so deeply indoctrinated by society to believe that this dry paper will clean the poop off of our butts when all it's doing is smearing it around and actually causing lots of infections and diseases you know hemorrhoids urinary tract infections yeast infections even anal fissures are exacerbated by using things like wet wipes right. and the over rubbing of dry paper all those things contribute to infections and issues down there i wonder if like it also has to do i mean you know it's the reasons you said like the french and the sexuality thing and how prude i guess we are in america but like i wonder if it's also the fact that like i do find that the u.s is really conservative when it comes to we're so forward thinking in so many things right but we are very conservative when it comes to like i definitely grew up in a world where like oh girls don't shit like you know what i mean whereas in japan or like any other country it's just it's just another bodily well, i mean function. it's it's so interesting because we had a another scandal with the new york public transit system just this past week like a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. where um the mta banned our ads our bidet ads for tushy because they associated it with it with something sexual they're like these are sexual ads you know and we were like bidets are yeah. not sexual are you what they they put it in the same bucket as a sexual thing because it said because because the caption read nothing says i love you like a clean butthole i have so many problems with that though because one if it were sexual who cares right that's number one exactly and number two like the fact that it, it's the same thing as like the using free the thing. or it's like you know like how we we decided that like the asshole is sexual no matter what even if when we're talking about cleaning them it's, it's no that's exactly <laughs> it's so it's so like archaic bizarre. and then of like course that. on the subway there's you know the the penis erectile dif- the, you know stuff dysfunction ads with a cactus right. that looks erect right that is perfectly fine right because big pharma right it's just yeah. like all of the it's such double standards again totally that you know where where just because it's societally, you know, uncomfortable to talk about that part of our body mm-hmm. rather than f- 
like just looking at it in a forward thinking way, we just shun it and, and, and censor it. Right. In 2018, almost it's so 19. weird. And like, I've noticed that you personally, so between like thinks and tushy, these are two spaces. I think that people are definitely uncomfortable talking about it's periods and shitting yeah. vaginas and assholes. Right. <laughs> and like, so what, what draws you, what, why are you so drawn to that space? Like, I'm have just, you always just been well no I, I've actually just I mean been very interested in w- in societal thinking and why things are considered shameful like who says mm-hmm. who decided who is society like uh, people from 100 years ago society are people like right. you and me but a hundred years ago who are making these imaginary rules and decisions for what is acceptable and couth to this this day and age I mean who like so I've always been curious to be like to wonder what like w- w- why do we care about what anyone with this society thinks why must we follow these kinds of rules that that we don't know who who made them up obviously our parents are kind of t- telling us these things teachers are mm-hmm. are pushing them pushing these these ideals through but it's it's just more of like this deep indoctrination. Yeah. It's in like the very fabric of our society, as R- they say. Like it's Exactly. And it's, it's like, I, I was just so fascinated by why is the concept of period shameful? Why is the concept of pooping shameful when everybody does it? If we're lucky a few so times a day. So it stems from like a curiosity. Just of a curiosity. Like, why do we have to think like that? Why do we have to, to skirt around something and not talk about something, censor ourselves? Like, right. You know, and, 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 and be considered like, uncouth for talking about things that haven't been talked about in the past it right. just it was so fascinating so then i then like you know you start by by asking like why why is this taboo and weird to talk about and then you're like oh wait a minute look at the way look at the products that exist as a result of not talking about things right when you don't talk about things there's very little innovation and very little advancement mm-hmm. in any of it well, right that's, that's kind of what i wanted to ask you like Obviously, like your your businesswoman side kicks in and that's what makes you different. Right. Or I mean, I guess asking those questions in the first place makes you different. But I, I guess I wanted to know, like, what's the bigger drive for you? Like, is it and maybe it's all of the above, maybe none of it. But like, is it so do you do you first see a question like this and then think, no. is it boom, business opportunity because no one wants to touch that space? Well, or is it that like you're just so drawn to the tabooness? Well, no, I well, so it's actually the, the truth is that it starts with I'm bleeding everywhere. I can't believe I, I mean tampons don't work <laughs> for me. It's as primal as or, that. Or <laughs> or with I can't believe I have to like take two wads of dry paper, wet it underneath the sink, sometimes with my pants around my ankles and shimmy over to the sink and like and then like sometimes tripping on myself and then like putting water on two wads of toilet paper and then shimmying back to my seat, you know, taking the first wad, wiping my ass with the wet paper, which Ripping is now through to your ri- fingers. And then like, and then so it's poopy water in my fingers. Then I take dry paper to dry the first thing. I take the second wad and then wet the second, uh, you know, the second wipe to try to get more poop off and then more dry paper to, to dry the second w- and this it, almost like sounds it, like a Jerry Seinfeld skit. It like, was, you know, that was my reality every well, time yeah. I went to the bathroom because otherwise I knew I would have poop on my butt and my butt would feel, I would feel itch, I would feel gross, and I just couldn't. It's kind of like that Howard Stern. Have you, <laughs> have you heard that Howard Stern thing where he asks a blind woman, "How do you know when you're done wiping?" 
<laughs> and she was like, well, you just know. And then like the others are, they chime in and they're like, well, it kind of itches when you're not fully clean. Right. <laughs> and I'm so sensitive. So like, I know when I'm not clean back there and I'm just like, I have to run home. It's just like a, so that's why the whole wet wad paper thing. So the inconvenience. The inconvenience. It was so, I hated the process having to go, you know, of going to the bathroom and having to use so much toilet paper. You know, the average American uses 57 sheets of toilet paper per day because they're like twirling the paper around their hands so not to touch the poop. But meanwhile, the number of E. coli and bacterial cases and like foodborne illnesses and all that stuff because of poop that's in the world right now is is astronomical right. so like rather than using dry paper you're literally installing the 69 dollar bidet on your toilet it clips onto your toilet like like literally like nothing it takes 10 minutes to install and then you turn a little knob and then there's this nozzle that sprays your butt perfectly precisely exactly where hit. it needed to go i mean like i know it's adjustable but and it's funny because like sean and i are like kind of fighting over <laughs> Like, cause he likes his a little bit more forward and I like mine right. a little bit more back. Right. But you can, you can adjust the <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. It's, it's super easy to adjust, but it's but like sometimes you forget. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> but like, it's so interesting that like, you know, the, the, the people are like, ugh, bidet sounds so weird and gross. And I'm like, okay, using water. It's just, there's just such a like mental block and they're like, oh, you must spray poop everywhere. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's like a reverse waterfall where it pulls the poop down into the bowl. You know what I mean? It just like it just like pulls it down. <laughs> no, so there's it's a no, great It's system. the cleanest thing. And they're like, oh, well, is it toilet water that's hitting your butt? I'm like, no, no, no. It pulls the water from the wall, the same water you brush your teeth with. It's I not from the bowl or the tank. posting something about that, and it was really surprising to me that so many people were asking you that. Like, they thought that it takes the water from the toilet bowl, like the shitty right. water. Right. But it's actually, it's like the water we drink. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's the, wa- the same water we brush our teeth with right. that we drink, we put in our mouths. So it splits off. It comes with a little splitter and a hose. It's all in the box. All Everything's included. And it, it just splits the water from the wall directly where you turn the water off. You right. Just, and then just splits it off from there. It takes literally no time. What What do you think is more interesting to you? Like, Because I, I know that whenever I see you talking about Toshi, like you make two points. Like you always hit these two points. One, the environment. Yes. We're saving the world. 15 million trees from getting flushed down right. the toilet. And then, but also be saving buttholes. Yes. Right? So like what, what's more, what's your passion? Like what is more interesting to you? Well, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, our, we would not be here if it, we didn't have a planet that we can stand right. on. Right. And so I think flushing 15 million trees down the toilet every year for a consumable product that doesn't actually properly clean us unnecessarily feels unnecessary. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you have an unborn child in your mm-hmm. belly. I, I have a 16-month-old kid. You know, we are really leaving our children in dire, dire, dire straits. There, there's more carbon dioxide in the air today, like to the exponential levels, than there's been in the last 20 million years. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, we're in a really, a really, and like it's, it's our generation could probably skate by, although we are seeing more hurricanes and more fire and more, fires and more all these things in, in the world right now earthquakes etc i mean the earth is really crying and suffering um which means that we're suffering mm-hmm. and so so yes we definitely need to think about the environment i know people can't think about the environment would rather think about themselves in their pocketbook first so i i you know so that's why i lead with 
the butthole. Saving your butthole, yeah. saving your health, your hygiene, I and mean, your I'm not and your po- and your money, me, your wallet too. You, in three yeah. months, you're paid back, and you're saving thousands of dollars over time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. For me, like it's saving the butthole is the priority right and to most people you know that's also like my career but that's but that's hello yes maybe i'm in a different boat but that's but that's the way it is for most people and i think if people learn oh my god like we're causing infections diseases Mm -hmm. it's dirty it's gross you you know i wonder if countries with like regular bidet use have like less pink eye and less stomach problems i i would that's a good that's a good thing to check we should look into that that is a good idea yeah definitely you're like kind of helping stop spreading pink eye maybe right maybe in like a hundred years we'll be like we used to get this thing called called pink pink eye eye. disgusting (laughs) it was when shit got in your hands yeah yeah which then got in your (laughs) eyes god it's so no no like my prediction is 10 years from now we're going to look back and people are going to be like, remember when just 10 years ago we wiped our asses with, with dry paper? paper? What were we doing? But you know what? I'm finding that the rest of the world looks at, at us like that. Oh, yeah. They're like, what are we doing? Americans, I didn't know. It's like you export Facebook, but you don't export bidets or cleaning your butt properly. It's very, very interesting. My best friend lives in Brazil. She's Brazilian and she's staying with me right now. And like, you know, obviously Toshi has been we've been talking about it a lot because it's like what's going on in my we, life she right should now. bring tushy to brazil well here's the thing like she was like every bathroom comes with a bidet in brazil really and and i'm like and she you know every day she tells me about all these things about brazil like brazil is you know we're much more developed country than brazil but in that one area she's like no we're so advanced you guys are gross like she it's, can't fathom living without a bidet and that's how i feel now i'm like i can't believe i ate all these buttholes <laughs> that no but it's true it sounds funny but it's actually like really sad right. and true right. <laughs> i didn't even think about that because the wet wipes don't really not really work well as no. well nearly and not to mention like not everyone uses one and right. like i mean right how clean are you really you know and by the way <coughs> and by the way you still have to pat dry with a little bit of either toilet paper or uh, we, we use organic bamboo butt mm-hmm. towels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. P.S. I love that toilet paper. Right? right? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to like save it because it, the packaging is so cute and like. Isn't it the cutest? <laughs> no, we, we have no plastic in our packaging. Right. And, it's, and our toilet paper is 100% bamboo, which means bamboo grows up to 39 inches per day. Unlike a tree, which takes some time, up to 150 plus years to grow. Yeah. So you're you're literally using the most sustainable bamboo. If you're going to use toilet paper, you might as well use bamboo. I'm my house is like all bamboo everything right now. Like I'm using bamboo sheets, bamboo towels. My bathrobes are bamboo. Oh, we're making uh, bamboo bathrobes now too. Yeah. Is it the same material as the towel? The towel is so soft. So soft. Right. I can't wait. We're doing bath sheets too. So you're so entrepreneur minded like have you ever had a job that's not like ceo or like have you ever had a normal job uh yeah like hello what? when i graduated from from college i got a job in investment banking in so what finance. did you study I, I, I studied business and communication okay but it was i was still like i didn't really know much about finance okay so i you know when i got a job in investment banking i had to go through the two and a half month training program to really get myself up to speed with. I can't imagine you doing something so terrible. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I no, no. I was, it was. I was the worst investment so banker. I guess. I was terrible. Level. No, no. I was, I was really terrible at it. And it was like really, well, well, 
what what happened was I so I graduated from college in May of 2001 and then um, I did two months two and a half months backpacking all over Europe with my twin sister mm-hmm. and then I came back in um, major in in August and we did August uh, we did a the training program it was actually end of July and August and then um, and officially the really the first week of September 2001 is when I started my job and my subway stop every morning was to World Trade Center okay so this is September 1st 2001 wow and so um so and my, 9-11 my, was 2001 yes yes so my subway stop every single morning was two row trade and i would go upstairs and get tea with my girlfriend who worked on the hundredth floor of two row trade center and then after breakfast i would i would go and um to my desk across the street at deutsche bank and so 9-11 happened and on that day 700 people in my girlfriend's office died two people in my office died she went down to get coffee right before the plane hit oh my and I, it was the first and only day in my life that I slept through my alarm clock. Now, to this day, I'm the lightest sleeper. Like some little tiny sound and I wake up. And it was the only day in my life I slept through my alarm clock. And just completely just didn't wake up till 10 o'clock in the morning. Never did that in my life before or after since. Crazy. Whoa. Crazy. That... That's yeah. like scary crazy. Yeah. And so it was my wake up call. It was sort of my aha moment. So you were like, fuck this. Fuck this. I'm going to chase my dreams. And so yeah. I went, I, I, I tried out for the New York Magic professional soccer team. It was like the farm what? Team, farm team for the power. I played soccer in college all four years, division one. I played okay. my whole life. And so I played, so I went, I tried out for the New York Magic and, you know, hundred D one athletes from all over the country made the team, made the starting lineup. What? Yeah. And, was all set to quit my investment banking job, but then first game of the Wait, season. Wait, that's a crazy jump too, though. <laughs> like I know. From it, inve- investment banker to soccer player. <laughs> I know. That was, it just, it was crazy how it all went down. Yeah. But it, it was. But I guess my, that's like what a near-death experience will do. That's right? it. It was just like, I, what I learned from the 9-11 experience was that the mystery of life is that you never know when it's going to end. Right. Right? Like we can all die tomorrow and and might as well live fully lit up like right. every moment you know counts and so um and so i just was like i'm gonna go play soccer professionally it's my dream i'm gonna do it and so what i did was i snuck out of my investment banking job twice a week i basically befriended the car service people because the deutsche bank had these car services that would stand outside after five o'clock you would get a car service ride home and I also befriended the front desk guys. I would I would just sneak them food all the time. And all the other bankers were just assholes to them. Yeah. And so basically, I just said to the, to the car service guys and the front desk people, I'm like, guys, this is my dream to play professional soccer. But I'm going to need your help. I have to sneak out of my investment banking job twice a week for the next two and a half months if I make <laughs> it all the way to the end of the tryouts. Because the tryouts basically start off with 100 women. Um, all division one top athletes from all over the country. And then they would cut team. They would cut people every single week. Right. For over the course of the next two, like two a reality weeks. show. Right. <laughs> and, and at the end they would stay with, you know, and so I, so I was like, I'm, I could potentially, you know, potentially have to sneak out twice a week for the next two and a half months if I make it to the end. And so basically how it worked was the front desk people kept my soccer bag behind the front desk. This is a bank. Ba- investment banks never keep anything behind the desk. It's liability. It could be a bo- whatever. Yeah. Um, but they kept my soccer bag behind the front desk. 
And so at five o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I basically call the front desk. I'd be like, it's time. And then the guy would bring, bring my soccer bag to my guy, the car service guy outside um, who was my boy, who my, my boy, who then would drive the car service like a block away um, to basically with my soccer bag. Yeah. And then I would come down him there. with a FedEx box under my arm as if I was going to drop off some like FedEx, like, right. like pitch decks. Running an errand. You know, whatever. Yeah. And then I would turn the corner, go a block and a block away, jump in the car, roll up all the windows and like sprint, you know, and they would be like, go, go, go. And the car service guy waited for me at the car, sur- at the so- soccer tryouts. He would like watch me like my dad, literally twice a week for the next two and a half months. That really speaks to what kind of person you are, I think, right? That I, that these people are willing to like pull together and help you out like that. It was crazy. And then after the the car service guy drove me back to the investment bank so I can finish my work by like 10, 30, 11 o'clock that night. So it was like a full on sneak out. Like it was a crazy thing. And and then I made the team and I made right. the starting lineup. And how long did you do that? So the craziest, most tragic part of it was that, so my first game of the season was a Saturday. And so I was so excited. I, I was planning on quitting my job, but then I was like, I'm not going to quit my job. Let me play in the first game. Who knows what's going to happen? First game of the season comes, you know, I'm outside midfielder. I basically get the ball, juke past a few players, um, cross the ball, score a goal uh, I don't score a goal but the striker scores a goal so within the first eight minutes of my professional career I have an assist right and in that moment um a defender comes and takes out my takes me out on a slide tackle <gasps> and then I hear a telltale snap and I tore my ACL Stop. no so I tore my ACL after eight after two and a half months of busting my sneaking out all the things first game of the season what was it a career ending kind of so it it wasn't career ending but i had to stay in my investment banking job for another year so i can get the best health insurance yeah the best recovery Well, at least you have that option yeah so i so i basically had the surgery had the you know i did a one year of physical therapy and then i went back out again i tried out again made the team again made the starting lineup again and then tore my other ACL no. in the semifinal game. Yeah, you so weren't meant to exactly. play soccer. It was my. It was the universe being like, "You're not. This is not your calling." It was so crazy because I worked so oh. hard. So how do you go from that? So then, <laughs> yeah. So then, um, so then I was like, "Yes, okay. I'm still not hearing like a normal job." <laughs> well, no, no. Investment banking was yeah. Kind I of guess a that's a normal job. job. Yeah. yeah, it was like a definitely a yeah, job yeah, yeah, where yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. attached to the man's yeah. shackles. But that was the end of it. That was the end of it. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, no. And then, so then after the after the soccer thing, um, I was like, okay, what I want? I want to make movies. I want to like tell stories. I want to be in the film in the film business. And I spent my summers when I was uh, um, at Cornell. I spent my summers working for going to LA and working for the guys who produced Dumb and Dumber and Kingpin and all these funny movies. So I was like reading scripts and like, you know, doing all that like internship that like people do. Um, and I made my first short film when I was a junior in college in LA. Whoa, you're so multi-talented. Not really, but no, yes, no, I mean really. like, well, I mean it was really, it was just more like f- having fun. So we made it, we made a film called soccer dads, okay. which was basically about like, cause I played soccer all my whole life and it's always the parents who are fighting all the time. 
Okay. And so it was basically about two so rival like stage parents. Moms, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So it was like basically that for the soccer field. Anyway, it was a really fun thing. So 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 after my soccer career ended, I went to um I dusted off my film resume and and went back in the film business as an associate producer. Um, producing, you know, working for a producer who produced commercials and music videos in New York City. And I realized very quickly that I wasn't a nine to five person. Yeah. And so I was like, fuck it, I'm not going to do this nine to five associate producer thing, but I'm going to go freelance as like a production assistant on sets, picking up trash yeah, and like yeah, yeah. driving directors around, getting producers coffee yeah. and just doing that shit. The PA is like the do it all person. I on know. Set. So I, yeah. exactly. So I started. And my to my Asian parents chagrin. You have a Cornell education, and you're going to be a PA. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and and um, so, but but very quickly, like you know, I, I made it very known that I was a finance person with a good background on sets of these these videos, you know, these commercials and music videos. And so, very quickly, I worked my way up to produ- production managing. Yeah. And, and how producing. old are you at this point? Twenty three, twenty twenty four, twenty three okay. and twenty four. So I did investment banking for almost uh, so almost two years, 22, 23, and then 23, tw- 24 is when I got back in the film business because the soccer career was right. was in between that time, yeah, 22 and 23, so 24, and so so very quickly worked my way up to producing and production managing commercials and music videos, and then. So, you know, you know, on sets of commercials and music videos, there's these like craft service tables yes. where you have like all the snacks. snacks and yeah. like like shitty, snacks. shitty snacks. <laughs> and because I was, you know, immigrants daughter, I would yeah. just eat that as my meals because I'm yeah. like free food. I have a student loan debt. I'm just going to eat this as my food. And I would just come home with the worst stomach aches every single night. Yeah. And that happens in porn too. Really? Yes. Because the food's so shitty. And it's also like, which is fucked up because you're doing work with your body, with your body. Yeah. But it's hard. One, it's tempting. Junk food is always tempting. And then two, it's, it's there, right. you know, and you have like all these like lulls on set. Right. Where it's like, well, I guess I'll just eat a eat. snack. Yeah. Totally. So I would just do that. And then I would come home with awful stomach aches. And finally one day I was like, enough is enough. I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to Google that shit. And so I just Googled like food, like stomach issues and then discovered and just went in a black hole for like weeks yeah. after that on like the fact that there's, you know, more obese people on the planet than hungry people on the planet. There's so many more processes, you know, processed foods today. People are intolerant to there's hormones and antibiotics and pesticides and preservatives in food that was making people more and more intolerant to food. And it was just it was becoming a problem Mm -hmm. and I was I started thinking about all the foods that I had to give up and pizza was one of them you know pizza is my favorite comfort food and I had to give it up because every time I ate pizza I would have the worst gas I would have the worst stomach aches because of the dairy the hormones the crap in the dairy the the glutinous crusts right the the bleach in the crust the hormone filled cheeses all the crap in the in the toppings and just I would just have these awful stomach aches and then I was like wait a minute what if we can take this this beloved food, which everyone loves, which is pizza, and turn it on its head and make and, it healthy and make it healthy and use gluten free like whole flours, use you know hormone free cheeses, organic cheeses, using yeah. small farms like go get dairy from small farms. What if we used instead of using f- tons of sugar to cut the acid in the sauces, which is what all pizza places do, they put right. they just, just dump sugar in the to make the sauce sweeter. But instead, you can use fresh carrots and fresh onions and caramelize them and slow cook them over time, which naturally the sweetens natural the sugars. Yes. 
And then I was like, you know, what if you can use like local seasonal toppings? And, and it's like, yeah, of course you can do all that. You just have to make a better product. And back then there was no organic, gluten-free, farm-to-table, local. Any of that conversation was not happening in 2004, 2005 in the more mainstream basis. And so, um, and so I was like, all right, I'm going to start New York City's first alternative pizza concept and, and call it Slice, the perfect food. And got my friends together. My boyfriend at the time was an architect. One of my best friends was a branding guy. Like, you know, we had fr- interior friends. We just had, like, pulled all our friends together. And, I, you know, I, I raised, you know, $250,000 out of my ass. I have no idea how. Like, oh, I'm not, no, I have no idea but how. But this like, was your first business. First business. And I wrote a book, Do Cool Shit, which right. tells the whole story. Your first book. My first book. And on top of all this, you wrote a, two books. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Asian after all. That, I was not allowed to watch TV or do anything that had not to do productive. Yeah. So no, I mean, so yeah. So my first book, Do Cool Shit, really shares the story of like how you know, like th- the idea for the restaurants came to be, and then how I raised the money for the first time without ever having raised a penny in my life. Like how, what how, email I sent. And like, these restaurants are still here today. Yes, you're still doing going strong. Yep. And you have there's three locations now, three right? locations in New York yeah. and it's called in New Wild. York City, which check is out like eatdrinkwild.com. The website's really old and needs to it's getting reworked right now, but no judgment. But check out Eat Drink Wild on Instagram too. You can see all the pictures but at Eat Drink Wild. It's crazy to me that like okay, like you have all these crazy ideas include and then you moved on to you know Thanks and Tushy and it's just like you have all these crazy ideas and like I have a lot of friends that like have these crazy ideas but they always fail right (laughs) or like or or they just stay as exactly that ideas I'm definitely guilty of that like how do you know when an idea is so good that it'll actually be successful like how well that's a great question Asa because in my book do cool shit I answered that question (laughs) okay so basically I always ask myself three questions before I actually start a business okay so the first question is like what sucks in my world so it has to suck in my world because if it's a if it's a thing like I want to start a t-shirt company, you know, t-shirt companies exist, right? It has to be a pain point in your life that you want to solve. So it would have to be something like the tag itches. Right, right. Or something, exactly. Something where okay. where it hasn't been. So pizza's unhealthy. Yeah. Assholes are unclean. Clean. And there's peri- and and you period stains everywhere. Right. Right. And I was, you know, I had stomach aches all the time. It has to start with you. So what sucks in my world? I had stomach aches all the time. Couldn't eat pizza. My favorite comfort food. I had period accidents every single month. I hated going to the bathroom and pooping because it was such a messy, gross experience with the whole, you know, wet wads and the whole poopy finger, all the things. Right. And so I, it was just such a pain point for me. And I'm like, I can't believe there hasn't been a, a better solution mm-hmm. for this. And then I was like, oh, okay. So the first question is what sucks in my world? The second question is, does it suck for a lot of people? Uh, which Okay. True. Yeah. Right. So like one in five Americans now eat gluten free. So there's so many intolerant people with food intolerances and food allergies. Right. The second, um, you know, with, with periods, every woman can raise their hand if you ask them, do you have you had a period accident in your life? Mm-hmm. Of course. And then the third, um, and then and then for Tushy, like every human who doesn't have a bidet yeah. has some level of discomfort or dirtiness in their behind, you right. know, in their butthole. And everyone has a butthole. And everyone has a butthole. Right. Exactly. Everybody has a butthole. So and then the third question, which is the most important question, okay. is can I be passionate about this issue 
cause or community for a really long time. So like, you know, which because it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Right. And like people. What do you mean? Like it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Like people are like, wow, things just popped up out of nowhere. I'm like, no, no, no. I came up with the idea in 2005 with my sister. Okay. We we started working on it with my third co-founder in 2011 for three, four years before we launched the product. Right. Like it's a long thing. Tushy. Like, oh, wow. We think you came up with it in your basement yesterday. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but it takes 10 years to be an overnight success where it always takes way. I mean, LaCroix, you know, see those LaCroix, like, like those, like sparkling waters everywhere. They're 30 years old. Whoa. 30 years old. And I mean, and all if of a sudden anything are, feels like an overnight success, it's, it's that, that, right? And it's just like all these things are just like, wow, they just popped up out of nowhere, right? But no, they've been around for 30 years. Same thing with Tushy. I mean, like we started in 2014. It's 2018. You know, we, we really had our grand launch in 2016, but it's still been really, you know, we've been working on it for quite some time now. It's not just like we were just on Saturday Night Live um, last week, which was awesome, which basically shows that the zeitgeist is is shifting around bidets. Mm -hmm. But like, I have to be truly, truly passionate about the idea of... You have to be able to commit to it for... Uh, at least 10 years Ooh, you, have to, you have to you have to ask yourself can i commit to this for 10 years if your answer is no that's okay you can it can, it can remain an idea that also might even i think one obviously that differentiates like the good ideas from the bad ideas but also it also kind of puts a divide between the person that's meant to be an entrepreneur you and the person that's not me like you know what i mean like it's i like i can't imagine committing to any idea for that long and i think that just means i'm i'm not cut out to be starting business or like or cut out maybe for the things that you that that you're like i want to do this i want to do that maybe there there might be a thing that you're like i can be passionate about this forever you know like for yeah. me for me it's not just bidets but it's the global sanitation crisis right, right. so like for every so she sold we're funding the, the build out of clean sanitation facilities all over india and the world where the global sanitation crisis affects a billion people like people are pooping outside like animals every single you know day and it's causing major issues for health hygiene gets in the water systems children are dying so you almost have to think bigger it's true because like i can imagine if if you were just focused on the bidet alone totally that might not be a passion that lasts 10 years but i can be passionate about basic human rights for everyone for the rest of my life right right and so like for every toshi sold we are funding clean sanitation facilities for for people in the developing world when there are there are there i mean there are a billion people who who practice open defecation, but there are over 3 billion people who don't have safe, you know, bathroom conditions, you know? And so, and that's a problem Yeah, for people. Women are getting raped. I mean, children are getting sick. And that's I mean, like, people are getting, I mean, we talk about basic human rights, like eating and water and, I, but I mean, going to the bathroom is essential. It, it's like, it's, it's a basic almost, human it's right. More than a basic human right. Right. Like Think about it. So in the devel- in the developing world, imagine. Okay, just imagine this. Imagine if you have to hold in your pee and your poop all day long, wait till nightfall, and then go. Sometimes walk up to five miles to go and relieve yourselves with a group of women because you're at risk of getting raped if you go to the bathroom oh during the God. day. And this is the reality for millions and millions and millions of women. And people, you know, and so and young children, too, are at risk. It's a real problem. 
women who are holding in their pee and their poop all day long get urinary tract infections, yeah. get lots of issues. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times women are not drinking enough water or mm-hmm. fluids or eating enough food because they don't want to go to the bathroom. It's a vicious cycle. It's yeah. a vicious cycle. And then it's just, and then young girls are not going to school because of it. It's a real vicious cycle. And there's this whole thing that the world actually will be saved by women because women are giving so basically there's this thing called the girl effect the girl effect says that if i'm to give um if if i'm a working woman right and i make a hundred dollars right 90 of my hundred dollars will go back into my family and my community guess how many of the man in the developing world of his hundred dollars will go back into his family and his community how much guess I mean, I would hope that it's about the same, but it's, I'm guessing it's not. It's 10 to 15, <sighs> between 10 and 20%. Average 15, $15 out of the $100 goes back into his family and the community. The rest he squatters on himself, on alcohol, on himself, on dumb stuff right. that's not advancing his family or the community. What does that mean, though? That like, means that, that means that community-minded? Yes. Yeah, so we're, just, we're just naturally nurturing. We're naturally... we're we're. We're, we're, you know, we're stewards. We're just stewards to our community, stewards to our planet. We're just more nurturing like that. Right. And so, and so the, so, so. It sounds very primal. Like. It, it, it is. And so the, so the thing is, if, so if, 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 if billions of women, like hundreds of millions of girls are dropping out of school and missing weeks of school because of their periods, because they can't, they don't have safe sanitary condition, conditions, which means that they're not getting jobs. That's billions of dollars of lost income potential that these communities as a whole can be receiving to elevate themselves out of extreme poverty faster. We should be so ashamed yeah. as a world. It, 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 is a, it is a real... When you really are exposed to so much of this, yeah. it, it does make you have a like global... How can you not care, that's, right? that's the thing. And so for me, like, you know, uh, that's what I care about. It's, yeah. I, can, I can care about basic human rights for everyone for the rest of my life, including animals, including yeah. people, including... Were you, you like know, that as a kid? I mean, I, it's so cold. I feel like my feet got cold. Um, I, um, were you like that as a kid? I, I'm Canadian, you know, and oh. I think <laughs> that explains everything. <laughs> I love Canadians. <laughs> I think Canadians, we, we just, we just grew up a little bit. I mean, more conscious, just a little bit more conscious. I mean, I yeah. grew up, um, going to high school in, in Montreal where we, ha- we had this course called moral and religious education, where we learned about every morality and every religion every day for five years, one hour a day, five days a week for five straight years. Is that the secret? Was Is that the course, Canadian secret? I think so. It was a course called Moral and Religious Education. So when you graduated from high school, you went five years, five days a week, every day for an hour. Learning, learning empathy. Learning empathy for every type of human right and its person on earth and i mean species. i have noticed like because Pornhub's actually based in montreal but like i noticed Amazing. that like even when every time i fly out to montreal like the the attitude shifts and it doesn't even start in canada it starts at the gate right boarding the plane to montreal yep and like it, it's i i think i think this about japanese people as well which i guess you double down yeah but like it's I think certain cultures are just so much better at living in a society. Yeah. We kind of suck at it. Yeah. But like just the social awareness and just being aware of other people is like, that's it. That's it. And I think we have to be taught that. And right now we're, we're really, we're really starved for this sort of community love sort of, you know, 
like everything interconnected approach. And yeah. I, you know, and like I wrote my book Disrupt Her, which yeah. is coming out January 29th of mm-hmm. 2019 because I was so upset and disenfranchised by the current status quo thinking of of just like you know, like I need to advance myself in order to feel worthiness, right? right? Where where whereas if we if we come together as women, if we come together as people, if we come together as planet and everyone on it, like we actually it can be exponential growth yeah. and success for everyone if we support each other. Totally. And so that's sort of like It's the like that Chris Rock joke where he's like he's like women could run the world if only they didn't all hate each other. Right. It's <laughs> there is But we're pitted against each other. It's not there, even there I mean there know? there is a patriarchal you know association there where you know women the, the the issue is that women have had to fight for the one seat mm-hmm. at the table mm-hmm. and for so long and now we're at a stage where we can now instead of fighting and clawing at each other for that one seat we can fight for many seats at the table mm-hmm. and actually like support each other and 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 fight for many seats mm-hmm. at the table and i think that's where we we can start to to to, to ask for the shift like we're not right. fighting for one seat anymore right so so that that's it and also there is this primal aspect to it where where women you know have one baby in their bellies with one mate right where where men you know sow their seeds mm-hmm. right and so we are more territorial as women just as a mm-hmm. as a gender we're just a bit more territorial um from a uh just a just an animalistic perspective because right. we 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 need our our our, our the person that inseminates uh, our egg and that right. you know that that fertilizes our egg that's our that becomes the fa- you know the parent to our child and so it kind of bleeds into other parts of our lives unless we catch it properly right you know? right yeah no i definitely believe in some things just being like innate and yeah, you know for sure you're you're such a passionate person like i imagine you to be this kid who like had the lemonade stand or like was selling pogs to other kids or making like <laughs> bags of popcorn like were you were you a very like business savvy young kid as well wasn't business savvy entrepreneurship wasn't in uh, like on like did you sell radar? drugs <laughs> no, but, no but i but i like i mean like I mean, like I said, when I was a junior, we, we raised some money to make this short mm-hmm. film. And we were always like, you know, building things, creating things. Like you making and your projects. Sister, Me and my twin sister and my older sister, Yuri. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of have like, I'm obsessed with twins. Can I ask you some twin yes. questions? <laughs> so, um, and you, you guys are identical twins. Yes. And you, you guys look very much alike. I remember when we were on set shooting the Tushy video, your sister FaceTimed you. Yeah. And like you turned the camera around or the screen around to say so I could say hi to her. And like it took me a few seconds because I thought you were showing me a picture of yourself and then it was moving. And I was like, oh, oh, uh-huh. oh hi. <laughs> I know people get freaked out initially. But you know, you know, you know a quick, a quick fun fact. Yeah. Did you know that? If identical twins had babies with identical twin yes, boys, they'd be siblings. Our children genetically, si- genetically siblings. Yes. Thank so, you for knowing that. <laughs> Most people are just don't know I'm that. I'm just obsessed with twins. Also, did you know Mary Kate and Ashley are fraternal? Oh, really? Yeah. No, I didn't That's know that. That's one of that. my favorite facts. Um, <laughs> also, <laughs> I'm going to know so much about twins, it's going to freak you out. But um, so you guys are best friends, right? Yes. So, like, it's. Oh, what did I. I, I just like totally I got so excited no, about best friends twindom. and like there's a, there's like a there's like a friendly rivalry there's a friendly like competition but there's but it's always us against the world right so like if there's anyone that ever tries to mess with uh, either of us then we band together immediately if it's within each other we bicker like like sisters you know but there I mean? is a special connection there. oh yeah oh yeah 
Do, um, so w- did you guys grow up like w- was your ultimate dream to marry a- identical twin brothers and then have your children be genetic genetically siblings? No, but I will share a fact that I've never shared on anything and ever in any <laughs> podcast, but this is the Pornhub Cop podcast. It's actually a perfect <laughs> place to share this fun fact. My twin sister and I, hold on. Ooh, I'm so excited. <laughs> My twin sister and I have had sex with five of the same guys. <gasps> what? Okay, so like obviously I'm dying to know everything. Not at the same time, obviously. Okay. Years apart. Is that obvious? I don't know. I don't know anything about Oh, okay, okay. Not- I'm an only child, so to oh, me, interesting. you're the polar opposite, right? Like, Right, right, right. Like the two. Ver- yeah, I'm wow. so fascinated. Yeah, we've, we've not ever at the same time, but clearly we have a similar type. You and do? so, yeah, definitely. Um, oh, and I will say, your, your husbands don't totally. Oh, thank you. Your husbands don't totally look unalike. I will say I know. That. I know. They're both Jewish. They're both like, you know, classic, you know, good looking Jewish boys. Um, so at one point or another, like at one, one point of or another. With- yeah. Yeah. One of us slept with one of them, the guy. And then like a few years later, like the other one who was single. Yeah. Slept with the same guy. And is that like, is there beef when that happens? Never. Actually, Never. There was only one time. Like it was never. It was more like, oh, really? You're you're taking my scraps, huh? It's more like, <laughs> like in that a funny, jokey in a funny, way. joking way. But in, it was always enough time had passed where it was okay. There's one time completely, completely separate of these five guys. There was one time where <laughs> I broke up with this guy because I, I chose another guy over this guy. Yeah. And then Rada became besties with this guy that I I I not I didn't choose. It was right. a very tough decision. And so I was really mad at her. Okay, for but that. that's like normal best friendship. That's it, right? That's it. Yeah. 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 I I'm also so curious, like what must have it the felt guys. for the guy? Yeah, I know. I know. Well, I'll tell you one story. One of the guys that so so Rada and I freshman year in college, we like hooked up with these these two roommates. Okay. And then the following semester we switched. So we hooked up with the but other they roommate. Knew. Oh yeah, we yeah, all did. You didn't, yeah, you yeah, didn't like pull funny. a switcheroo. I don't know. We've actually never we've actually never we've only done that like made out like with a guy where like, you know, they didn't we've only had like one date with someone and then they didn't know and it was just funny. Uh- um, so an inside joke that only you two were in on. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. But like, like, do you guys have similar body parts? Like, does we, identical? I know you're identical. We know we face. have this. We look the same. I mean, like, literally, like, until I got pregnant and my boobs got bigger. Yeah. And then you know are, we have the we had the exact same body. But she's having a baby too. Right. And so, so my now- body. <gasps> When my pregnant body looks just like her pregnant body. Yeah, like so the bodies change yeah, the same way yeah, too. Yeah, it's crazy. Is is the thing where like if one of you feels pain, the other one feels it too, like across the country? Is that a real thing? Mm, no, I it's not like that. I think just like anyone who's really close, you can you can feel the tension when like if you're in the same room, you can feel that the person's going through something. Okay. But that's like, like, like any, an energy, like, thing. like an energy thing. Yeah. But I think a lot of people who are really tight can, can sense that. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. Like me yeah. and my best friend could totally, do that too. totally. Yeah. Okay. So my ultimate fantasy and I'm not hitting on you. Like, no, 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 so no totally. Know, like I'm not like, <laughs> <laughs> just but like, great. No. Say it. <laughs> my ultimate fantasy is to have sex with identical twins. Like I just think that that's so novel and um, so cool and amazing. It's never happened. It's never happened. Why? I've tried to make it happen many, many times, but it's always like one thing or another or like it's just okay well I'll talk to my sister (laughs) okay okay. (laughs) (laughs) but here's here's my problem 
and this maybe this is what secretly holds me back is like on one hand I'm like that's nothing is hotter than that but on the other <laughs> hand I'm also I think intensely jealous right and in my mind in my eyes there's no bond that can break twins like right of course not right like I think we would just get a little high and <laughs> just have a good time you know what I mean like, and that is just like okay I'll tell you one thing when when Rada and I I've been telling you so many things I've never told anyone I love that I'm on the Pornhub podcast I'm so happy right now I can't even tell you um so my sister and I went to Burning Man like for the last eight years yeah. gone every year and one year, you know, we, we, we last, you know, three years, we've gone to this place called the Orgy Dome. And the Orgy Dome is basically a place where you walk in and there's like all kinds of people just having sex. Okay. Everywhere. So everywhere exactly you look. what it sounds like. Yeah. But it's, but it's oftentimes it's couples who just go in there just to be seen having sex. They're not okay. like, they're not having an orgy with other so people. So all different kinds of participating. But it's, it's, it's like, it, there's, there's a section of it where you can have sex with other people and invite people in if you so or choose. Or you can be watched. Or you or can, you can, you can go in this area where you can be watched with just you and your partner. Okay. In a room filled with people, other couples having sex. Old person sex. Fat people's sex. Everything. Every type of like. Oh, I love it. Every type of sex. And you're just like, it's such an an experiment to like, you're just like, wow, this is. And Andrew and I never invite anybody in. We we just always want to go and just like be, have an experience. Yeah. It's just interesting and different. And, 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 and like we, we love being, it was just like, we would always place ourselves strategically amongst gorgeous people because otherwise <laughs> it, it was a little, it would have been a little weird for yeah, us to yeah, get, yeah, get yeah. hot about it. But, um, and one year we run into Rod and Eli Stop. and they're having acrobatic sex across. Stop like it he's right like, now. she's like on his shoulders and he's eating her out. It's just like the, it was like, hold on. So you went to an orgy dome and ran, ran into, into your twin yes. sister. It was the funniest. And then we like just laughed about it after the fact because we just, I kind of saw them. I just turned around and just didn't look. But it's also like, okay, not looking, but also it's like, who cares? It's kind of like watching yourself, right? It was like, <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, like me, Rada, and Eli took, take baths together all the time. Right. The three of us, like me and Rada and her husband, like her well, fiance. Well, that's very Japanese in culture, right? Like yeah. I, I always tell people this, like as, as prude as Japan is when it comes to like sexual, sexuality and stuff, like n- n- being nude is no big deal. Like you take a bath with your family member all the time. Yeah. Like, as a full fully grown adult like amazing yeah deal. so with the three of us take baths sometimes andrew joins but most of the time it's just me rod and eli sometimes eli yeah. gets a hard on and who cares yeah like, it's just part of it and yeah. it's just like That's it's just so awesome yeah. oh my god you guys are living like exactly the life i want <laughs> you can come take a bath with us <laughs> we'll give you permission yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> exactly and Wait, eli is so, so cool. jacked he's got such a beautiful body <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> But that's so crazy. But like, do you do you guys ever look at each other? And like, is it okay? I always think about my name is very rare, right? Right. So I always think if I knew someone named Asa, like I don't know that I'd be able to call them by that. And I've right. never met another one in my whole life. You know, I've never known a Mickey, and Mickey's right. a common name. Mickey's very common in Japan. I know, so I don't because I don't know that many Japanese people. Yeah. But like, I I just wonder, like, is it actually weird to like look at someone and? They look, or you must be so used to it. Like you don't even have, right, you right. You don't know any different. No, yeah, I don't know any different. I don't know any different. 
sometimes I'm like, wow, she's really pretty. And I'm like, oh, I'm complimenting <laughs> myself. No, I have a line. I have a line sometimes when I meet some new someone new. I'm like, so I have an identical twin sister. She's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> and either the guy gets it. He's like, really? Can I meet her? Which means he's an idiot. Yeah, doesn't yeah, get it. No, no, no. It's the litmus or, test. I know. Yeah. I'm just like, exactly. It's a test to see how quick he is. I love it. Yeah. So like kind of back to like the jealousy th- or my own jealousy, I yeah, guess, yeah. is like, do guys have to like come to terms with, I guess like if a guy's going to be with you, he has to come to terms, right? That you have this really special totally. connection with 100%. another person. You have like... That he can never It's penetrate. a package deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, my, it's, so, it's a perfect example. My twin sister got into a fight with Andrew, my husband, because she thought that she should be in the hospital room at, when I was giving birth <laughs> because technically the baby is half hers too. Oh, right? shit. Like so scientifically. Like, cause scientifically, because he's like... It's my baby. She's like, it's my baby too. She's genetically half mine too. So why? She, and she's like, I've known Mickey for 30 years longer <laughs> than you. Why should it be you when, when the baby is half mine too? And it was such a fucking awesome fight for me to witness. I was like, I love this fight. And who ultimately won? I mean, obviously he won. <laughs> but she actually put the whole like blues on, the medical blue. She put the, the face mask on and tried to sneak into the OR. <laughs> And it was like, and they like kicked you know her what? out. They should have made an exception. I know. For you. I don't I know. like that. They I know. Didn't. It was fucked up, actually. Yeah. But maybe was, that'll be your next. Yeah. Big business totally, venture. Totally. Uh, like a hospital kind of that <laughs> you can allow your twin sister to in. Very niche. Very, yeah. very niche. Yeah. It'll be. It'll have to be a passion project. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, okay, so we're actually entering um, a segment of the podcast called Let's Talk About Me. Okay, great. Where we're going to talk about me. Yes. But it it always ends up not actually about me because it's actually just like an issue that I think like the guest can help me with. I love it. And, you know, I'm pregnant. Yes. You have a kid. Yes. You're a businesswoman. You're super successful. <laughs> so obviously I'm like really inspired by that and also really curious about it. And I think, you know, I... I almost like hate myself every time I ask myself this question or anyone else. It's so like archaic, like, oh, women, can they have it all? But also like, can we have it all? Yes. Like, how how, do you find that to be a struggle at all? I think you'll be you'll you'll. So they they, so they say that um, with a baby comes a loaf of bread under its arm. Okay, And so which means that abundance follows oftentimes because you just you you get an alignment for towards what you really believe that you want you know your purpose to be in your life and so there is an alignment that happens both spiritually you know with your baby but also in your in the work that you do because you 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 start to like really manage your time efficiently because you have less time to focus on your on your work and so i i think that you know like i have the best nanny ever Mm -hmm who takes, you know, care of my baby like like a mother, like su- with such care from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And that gives me enough time to get everything I need to get done mm-hmm. done, but do it really efficiently without dilly-dallying. I'm not, I'm not procrastinating at so all. So you're saying, like, don't be scared to ask for help. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm I, so good at that. I think, like, we're, like, kind of in, I think in our society, it's, very like damned if you do damned if you don't like totally it does feel to me like 
I don't know. Like, I think if you had asked me a year ago, I would have been like, of course, women can have it all. And you're fucked up for even thinking otherwise and blah, blah, blah. But also like now that I'm pregnant, I do kind of look around me and see that like, oh, a lot of times in society, women are seen as either good business women or good moms. Right. And totally. They're kind of like mutually exclusive. It seems I know. Like. I know. So like how I it's, guess it's not it's not that case, which is why I think. It's really important for business women like you or and me and others to share our experiences publicly when mm-hmm. we can that that show that we can both be with our child, be a great mom, be very present and at the same time be a badass entrepreneur or business person where you're 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 out there getting after it for your for yourself and for your family. Like, and I think, I think like I think I can get to a place within myself where I believe that. Like, obviously, in my core, I believe believe that, of course, already. Right. But like, what do you say? It's hard to see witnesses. Right. And what do you say to the people who disagree with that? And I guess. Well, I mean, Sheryl Sandberg, Sheryl Sandberg, Sheryl Sandberg leaves her office at five o'clock every single day and goes and and, and is with her children. You know, she runs arguably the most, you know, successful business in America. Right. And so. So, you know, I've I've set up my schedule where I'm you know, online pretty much all the time, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm also, I really dedicate love and time to my son as well. I read him books every morning, you know, every afternoon I spend, you know, some time reading with him or playing with him this morning. I took him to daybreaker. We danced for <laughs> two hours. He, I love that he goes. Oh my God. Yeah. I just took him on a three week. And trip. that's actually your sisters. My twin sister started daybreaker, the early morning dance movement. Which is crazy. Yeah. It's you guys are 20- such a, crazy family oh my god it's in 25 <laughs> cities yeah he, my son just came with with me and, and my husband to um five countries in the la- for th- in three weeks over the last just we just got back last yeah, you week traveled around africa we did south africa kenya bahrain dubai and morocco it was a speaking tour entrepreneurship and andrew spoke on on communication meaningful communication and we went to morocco for our honeymoon and hero was with us the whole time and we just had an epic bonding experience uh, we brought a some help with us uh, my apprentice with us to take care of the baby when I when we want to go and have our alone time but it was really seamless I mean either you make it a problem or right. you just make it part of your 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 life you know like so many women are humming and hawing or women but not just like people men yeah, too yeah, you know yeah. are humming and hawing but oh like oh when you have a kid like everything changes and you have to move to suburbs and you have to move mm-hmm. that's absolutely not true you you incorporate your baby's life into your life, mm-hmm. not the other way around. Because mm-hmm. when you do it the other way around, you do inevitably get unhappy because you're now all of a sudden like running around the baby schedule instead of incorporating the baby into your schedule. Mm-hmm. The baby wants to be around you anyway. So when you incorporate the baby into your schedule, it's actually happier. Mm-hmm. So um, you can really just, you know, take your baby with you. People will take care of it. There's a community of people who will always want to hold yeah. the most adorable half Asian baby. I mean, are you kidding? There'll be a lions out the door we, well, wanting to hold <laughs> Me and my friends, we call like half Asian, half white people magic people. Really? And that's what I'm having. But like, <laughs> like it's that's true. what I'm getting. But like, it's because also because, um, because no matter what half Asian, half white people look like, they're perceived as beautiful. They, oh, no, it's true. <laughs> it doesn't like, it doesn't matter if you're like the ugliest piece of shit. Uh, like people uh, will be like, you are so exotic and beautiful. Uh, <laughs> but that's the thing. It doesn't, it doesn't happen when they don't look, they always look, always they, all, they always look beautiful. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, my son is a quarter Japanese, quarter Indian, and half white. Yeah. And he's, so he's beautiful. Yeah. He's yeah. A model. Yeah. He's like, 
arguably like i i'm pretty judgment judgmental when it comes to babies <laughs> i hate to say it no, i'm not i'm just no, kidding most babies are like not that kind cute of like yeah and yeah they're kind of like little alien things but yeah. like mine is like came out looking like a little prince <laughs> he, and i'm not biased like all of the nurses and the doctors were like wow your baby is special. so good looking yeah <laughs> like zoolander and they like, were really, and, it, really and i could i could it was like it was a genuine like wow it wasn't like a oh wow like trying to show to comfort you you know it was like i mean like really like they couldn't help but share it so yeah no i think you'll be you'll be able to figure it out i mean like it's so interesting because every time i talk to anyone about you who know you they're like she's such a great businesswoman oh thank you no it's true like it's like it's like they're it's really awesome to hear that and that 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 will continue mm-hmm. that will not change yeah it's it's hard were you scared of that at all going into it i i just i never even thought about it wow yeah it wasn't like oh how am i gonna do this work-life balance you just right i just never like people talk about it because they make a big deal out of that it it's about kind it. of like how i i guess I, you're kind of right. It's it's almost one of those anxieties that I feel like I'm supposed to have. That's the thing. It's kind of like like when I turned 30, for example. Right. I was like, I'm supposed to have this major freak out because right. I'm a woman. Right. And I, on television, when women turn 30, they freak out. Right. Meanwhile, I was like. Totally fine. Like, living your like, best oh. life. Yeah. You're like, hashtag living my best life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's true. So I guess the other, my other thing I want to ask about is like, you're a very sexually liberated person. You go to the Orishi Dome. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, and then of course in today's society, it could, you know, like I'm sure for you too, like people talk shit all the time, which yeah. that also happens. No, of course, and I think there's a lot of confusion in the world when we see a sexually liberated woman. We're, I think there's we're still in a place where people like can't quite comprehend it, and right. you know, it gets confusing. But like, you you do have the image of a really strong and like liberated and sexual person, and I really look up to that. Like, especially being a mother, like do do you have any advice on that for me well <laughs> I, I mean like well, so, so like as being a sexual person and a mother totally i mean i i think you have to just make time for it so andrew and i started our inaugural sexcation okay which where we basically we 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 basically do us it's a staycation it, so we rent a hotel in new york city and then and then we have like experimental sex oh i love yeah, it yeah so like andrew bought a bunch of whips and chains and bdsm stuff and like all this stuff and then like a cheerleader costume and like like a choker and handcuffs all the things right and then we just go to like a hotel room and play and play for a whole friday to sunday i and love it, that it was so much fun yeah and i'm sure it also lends to like obviously you're not gonna like all the things so it probably leads to like a lot of fun moments too like just oh we giggling we and- record our first porno shoot <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was channeling you. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I was like, my butt was a little higher. My like Your eyes were a little, a little like, more arched. I was, my back was more arched. My like, uh, my eyes were more coy. You know, I was just That's like, awesome though. Oh yeah. No, we really, and, and that's the thing. Like you just can't ever stop playing and, yeah. and surprising. And, and I have my husband who, by the way, is eight years younger than me. So de- mm-hmm. definitely people who are afraid of dating younger, don't be afraid of it. It's amazing. And they're just they just love their goddess. If you if you if you're a confident woman, they and, and they're confident men, they'll they'll love you. Mm-hmm. That you know, age is not just a number. Um, but he just surprises me all the time. So he's the one that like he blindfolded me and brought me into the room. There are rose petals on the ground. He made yeah. me crawl on the ground amidst the rose petals. So you think like making the time and space for it. Absolutely. Is so you have to like when you have a baby, 
to really, really honor your relationship because like, you know, if you're happy in your relationship, you'll have a happy child. The I've, happier I've, you are in your relationship, the happier your child. You're kid the will third be. person to say that to yeah. me this week. Like someone was like, Your your child doesn't want a perfect mother, your child wants a happy mother. That's it. And if you and I and I've been, you know, as I fall I've been following you on Instagram and, and your relationship with your husband is so great. Like I love your relationship <laughs> with him. No, you have a very tight he like protects you, he loves you, he like yeah. gets you, he like you know, all these fucking stupid trolls. I hate them all. They're just like yeah, why are horrible. you following why? I'm like, why are you I was like writing back. I don't know if you I saw, saw you. I'm like, why? And I just I went down. I just couldn't take it. I'm like, why you are. You took down a troll for me. I was Instagram like, page. why? I know. And I shouldn't be like even going there. But like sometimes I'm just like, why are people following people's pages to just try Say and shame them? And yeah. they just fucking unfollow them and get the fuck out of her but life. But I think that's where a lot of my concerns come from. You know, it's as much as like in my heart, I know that I can be a sexual woman and a mother. And I, know. I don't have to fuck compromise the noise. Honestly, like so but my the noise is everywhere. I know. You but know the thing I mean? is, but the thing is, like what my, my, my life and leadership coach, Lauren Zander, who's the best ever, what she taught. I've been working with her for four and a half years. She's incredible. What, what we've been talking about is is all you need to care about are your witnesses your witnesses are the people who who know you who love you who care for you who who really deeply and that whose approval that and and care that you need right that you're like babe would you, you think about this like what do you think like i you know with my sister or my husband or my my close friends i'm always like do you like this what do you think do you like that you know but all the rest of them is just the peanut gallery who don't know you who are just judging you because they feel lesser than they don't feel liberated and they feel they they, they feel they can judge you because they're trapped in societal right. thinking and they're just trapped in their lives they want to reduce you to their level and i suppose when you try to please everyone you're spreading yourself thin absolutely no no you're, you're no longer authentically yourself yeah and that's why for me like i would i you know i was on the receiving end of a crazy ass takedown myself mm -hmm. once and i could have been like holy fuck this is so fucked up or I could have been like, this is part of doing something disruptive. Mm -hmm. When you're in, you are a disruptive woman. You are sexually liberated. You're sharing, you're talking about sex in a way that's people in a, in a puritanical America that's still so, so oppressed. Mm -hmm. And you are like one step at a time. Like the number of super fans that you have too is so awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, people who, who get you and who love you, like that's who you really focus on. And it's so interesting how we all focus on like the 1% of the negative totally. bullshit. Oh my God. So what I do now is I block them. Yeah. I, I don't even respond. I actually block them because they don't even have access to me anymore, yeah. to my light anymore. They don't have access to your light, your comedy, your humor, your, 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 your real your your invigoration your light you know mm -hmm. your like life's light they don't have access to that anymore and mm -hmm. that's what's actually the most painful mm -hmm. it's actually not hate that's the opposite of love it's indifference do you think so but you say like that's what comes with the territory of being a disruptive yes. person when you're when you're disruptive the haters the naysayers the shit talkers they all just come out of the woodwork and want to hate on you because guess what i suppose in that way it's almost like if you're it's easier without them you're like is what you're doing even worth it? <laughs> what do you, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like you, like it's, you know, you wrote an entire book, disrupt her. Like it's, it's to me. Yeah. Like I, I agree with you in so many ways, even like how you were saying, like you ask all the questions and you know, it, it's, it's the taboos and that's what makes things interesting to me to be disruptive. So it's almost like without those people, like, is it even worth it? Like without them, you can't be disruptive. 
right? Right. No, exactly. Exactly. It, it wouldn't be exactly. Ex- you're exactly right. That's exactly right. Never even thought about that. Without the naysayers, it wouldn't be disrupted. No, it would you'd just, just be, be normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's 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 you're absolutely right. And so and so that's it. But like more people are in that sort of normal societal thinking who are wanting to judge. And of course the media, this this mainstream media that's just all about these clickbait headlines mm-hmm. that's sort of like that's sort of catering to your fight or flight amygdala part of your brain, which is, you know, the, the part of your brain that's like looking for danger, like if a bear is going to attack you, mm-hmm. right? Like that, they're trying to, like they, you know, psycho- they, they, they figured the psychology of humans where, oh, if we put this inflamed headline, that part of the brain fires where it's this fight or flight part of your brain. So you have to click on it to see if you're mm-hmm. safe, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so when they're posting, so that's why like, it's such a problem because media, their incentives is all about advertisers, right? Mm-hmm. To them, so, so so like if an advertiser's showing their banner ads enough times, if someone clicks on an if clicks on the headline, then they then it shows your ad, then your advertiser is happy and will advertise with you again because guess what? Your ad's being kind of seen, right? And so the incentives are all wrong because now the the media company has to put these inflamed headlines so you click on it so the advertisers can get their fucking banner ads to be shown. It just is vi- it's also a vicious cycle. It so feels so... It's so dirty. Yeah. And it's so... Un- it, it, it creates inauthenticity to the nth degree versus... It's all like coming from all the wrong places. It's all the wrong places. So instead, the best way to do it is actually... Look at like social networks like Portal. You check out portal.xyz if you download it on on the App Store, portal.xyz. It's an amazing amazing app that's a social network that has no ads at all that you can support um people like like you for example if you're on portal people love your stuff and they just discover you on portal mm-hmm. because you right now you're if you're on if you're on um you know your your subscription program. Mm-hmm. What's what's it on? It's on a platform, but people have to know about you, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But if people if people want to if you want to be discovered by people, you can go on Portal. There's no censoring on Portal at mm-hmm. all. They're not going to censor anything sexual ever. Oh, that sounds so interesting. And you can you can basically f- discover new people, and then as an individual, if I like your stuff, I can just support it, right? So you can tip people. Oh, that's you can so share. You can add. Like you yeah. can subscribe to their channel. You can do. All kinds of things. It's a peer-to-peer economy. And I think that's the future of social media. It's not going to be this fucking ad-based... Which is so ironic coming from you. I mean, like, Thinks had one of the most epic and I know. revolutionary campaigns ever. I know. I know. Well, so ours was not about advertising, but ours was, you're right, a clickbait story headline. Not, but, not, but it was just a story that just showed the, story, the hypocrisy of America. Like, I think you guys, you know, like we're the first to do things a, a lot of ways. And I guess maybe that just comes with the content. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, like when you're talking about periods and no one else has been. Like, well, I that's, guess. you know, I mean, and, and you're absolutely right. Like, I like, like, you know, I have a love hate relationship with media, right? Mm-hmm. Like, media either. But they, that's it. They, they build people up and then they take them down. They build mm-hmm. them back up and they take them down. They build them back up. So, like, I just never thought that I would be in that cycle mm-hmm. of being built up and then taken down by the same writers mm-hmm. who came to my home and interviewed me and looked me in the eye and mm-hmm. see my life and how joyful I am and how, you know, how good I am to my people and my friends. Like, but for I them guess that's to, you know, the ugly side, right? That's the thing. It's just, like, they, they're just so quick to write the takedown piece at the same time. And you're right. just like, wow, like, Okay, there, there's no loyalty, or there's right. no, there, you know. I mean, that shows where their motive 
always was, I guess. Right, and right. Which wasn't like the well-being of their friend. To- totally, <laughs> totally. So it's so that was interesting to me. So I, you know, I definitely have this this love hate because it's true. The media is what built my businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, without the media, I wouldn't have my businesses. But at the same time, like. It's I, what makes the world ugly. Exactly. It's Ooh, but it all, oh, God. Yeah. It's a very double-edged sword. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's a love-hate. It's, it's such a, what a crazy time to, like, even raise a, per, a human being. Right? Like, it's I, so wild. But yeah. I mean, like, you know, I got to say, like, I'm so excited about where Tushy's going, where the Oswash, like, I really, like, the zeitgeist is shifting, mm-hmm. like, from where, where we were before to where we are today, which just shows, like, how society is progressing forward, mm-hmm. is that, like, the amount of people who are now adopting a new idea that, that five years ago, there'd have been, like, no fucking way. Right. This is disgusting. I right. would never do it. Like, the fact that Saturday Night Live is, is talking about Tushy and talking about bidets and and Michael Che himself coming on the show to basically do a three-minute rant on why he loves bidets and why (laughs) everyone should get one. That just shows how quickly society can move in the right direction if if done right. Right. You know? So it's interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. All right. Well, I end the podcast with the same questions every episode. It's kind of a personality test. Yes. They're from Inside Actors Studio. Oh, okay. So um, just kind of say the first answer that comes to your mind and like you don't have to think too much about it or explain anything. Great. Okay. What's your favorite word? Yes. What is your least favorite word? No. <laughs> what? Ter- actually, that's very, I can see why that would be your answer. <laughs> what turns you on? Surprises. What turns you off? boring what is your favorite curse word fuck what sound or noise do you love my son laughing what sound or noise do you hate um it's chalk it's nails on a chalkboard what profession other than your own would you like to attempt is there anything left (laughs) (laughs) oh um I mean, uh, I don't know, musician. Hmm. What profession would you not like to do? Uh, politician. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome. <laughs> open arms we have an orgy dome yes (laughs) everything you want lots of erect penis all right well thank you so much for joining me i'm so Um, happy i'm so happy to get to know you i know me too it's it's been like really fun like you're someone i really respect and ditto it's 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 been a really cool experience well let's be friends yes yay all right um and i will be posting where you can get mickey's books you can follow her on social media and all of that um, when I put this episode up. Yay! So, bye. Bye.